Hi Phil. Hi Ian. Um, we are. We thought it would be a good idea uh, to spend a bit of time recording a, a little, another little Talking Heads video for um, the Christchurch YouTube channel, uh, particularly off the back of the recent series that we've been going through on Sunday mornings, um, thinking about Matthew 10. Mm. Um, it's been some hard things. Mm. It's been some encouraging things. Um, and there's been lots of things that have prompted questions and, yeah, questions that people have got and they've been asking. And so thought it'd be a good opportunity and a good format to, to, for me to ask you some of those questions. Yes. So... Well, go for it. Shall we get into it? Let's get straight into it. Okay. Um, right, okay. Straight off the bat, I'm not, I'm not pulling any punches here. Yes. Matthew 10, verse... I'll read from verse 7, okay? Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, As you go... Proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Mm. Fine. Mm -hmm. Verse 8. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Really? Like, like I don't see a whole load of that stuff mm. happening mm. in Harpenden here through, mm -hmm. through us. What do we do with that? What do we, how do we understand that? That's a great question. And um, yeah, it, it came up fairly early on in the series because people notice that and they think, well, why are we not expecting the same? And so I think perhaps the most helpful way to think about this is in terms of what we expect now in our age, if you like. Um, I think we should start by recognising the disciples were, were in a different age. Um, they were with the with the... Uh, with Jesus in his earthly ministry, walking around with him, talking with him. The kingdom was breaking in, if you like, to the world um, through the person of Jesus as the king came near. So he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near, says Jesus. Um, and that the coming of the king brought with it some pretty spectacular, miraculous signs um, and wonders. And that is something you see throughout the New Testament. Um, for example, in the book of Acts, as Acts unfolds um, and the gospel goes from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth, at each of those points in the book of Acts, we see an accompanying flurry, if you like, of, of the miraculous. Um, it's as though God is authenticating his message and his messenger. Uh, and for us in our day, that is something that has largely happened. And perhaps that's one reason we don't see it so much. And you could say, I suppose, why perhaps we shouldn't necessarily expect it in the same way. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and you get, don't you, if, if you, if you know the Old Testament passages that mm. like point forward to and speak of the coming of the Messiah, mm. like they also anticipate a flurry of these things mm. as things that, you know, the, the healing of the sick and the raising of the dead and the cleansing of lepers and things yes. like that. These are things that anticipate and point forward to mm. the, the final fulfilment of these things when we are resurrected and have resurrection bodies. Mm. But, but the fact that they, they happen at the coming of the Messiah, that's kind of anta anticipated by the Old Testament prophecies. Mm. And, and so we'd expect to see those things then, yes. but not necessarily continuing in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I, think, I think it's really important, though, just to, to point out two things, which is that we still believe God is able to heal and raise the dead and cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Mm. And those things are still real and they're still real problems. And God can and does act in this world to do that. 
because God is God, and we can't we can't set limitations on Him. Okay. And we've just spent you know time in our prayer meeting last night praying for individuals who who we would love God to heal, mm-hmm. and we do that with faith in Him. Perhaps the difference is that here the, the disciples they seem to be given a special authority to go and command these things to to leave people. I'm not so sure that's say uh, an authority that we could claim in quite the same way. Mm. Um, our authority is through prayer to Jesus. Mm. Um, okay, yeah. so mm. so then the next question that follows on from that is, you know, you, you've talked about this isn't necessarily something that we'd expect to have the authority to do in our mm. age, mm. in our stage of salvation yeah. history or whatever. Yeah. So... You, if I remember correctly, you made a distinction um, whereby you sort of said, well, what's happening in verses 5 through 15, mm. those are things that are specifically aimed at Jesus' initial disciples, the yeah. 12 who he's sending out. And yet from 16 on, you want to make that more about us and in, 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 in our age. And so can you, can you justify yourself in that regard? It's a, it's, a good, it's a good question, because if you just read the text, you know, Jesus says, go out into the towns of Sodom. Uh, sorry, it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 15 and people not welcoming them and so on. And then he just says, I'm sending you out like sheep, sheep among wolves. So he's still talking to the disciples. Um, and so why do we take all the bad stuff for us? <laughs> but, but ignore all the, all the you know, spectacular, if you like, in those earlier verses. Uh, let, me, let me just point out a couple of things. The first is that um, the instructions from kind of 9 to 15 seem particularly specific mostly because jesus in luke chapter 22 uh kind of says about not taking a bag or a journey or a shirt or sandals all that kind of stuff um he actually reverses it and says you know i used to say that now i say you know be prepared basically uh, because I've, I've risen so he seems to undo that so i think we can read those commands and say well they were very specific to the disciples um the second thing is in verse 18, for example, Jesus says, on my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Um, and, you know, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's told them to go out into Jewish areas. Mm. And now he's talking about the Gentiles. So it seems that Jesus has a, a broader audience in mind, mm. um, that he's speaking, yes, to the opposition that the disciples will face, mm. but beyond that too, to all those who are his disciples as, as time unfolds. Mm. And I find, um, well, the other thing I would just say, make any comments, but um, I find verses 16 to 20 in particular, if you read those, I find there a description of what happens in the book of Acts, mm. basically. People yeah. are handed over to rulers, flogged, um, hauled before councils and tribunals to give an answer. Yeah, and this kind of stuff, and that's what we read in, in the Book of Acts. So, and, and ever since, and ever since, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right, right. And, th- and this um, is quite common of Jesus, isn't it? That he sort of mm. he starts somewhere, but then he kind of lifts his eyes and broadens mm. the horizon mm. and expands. And that's mm. that's quite he does that in other areas when he speaks about, um, you know, stuff to do with the sacking of Jerusalem in yeah. AD seventy, but then actually expands that out to what's to come in the, mm. the final judgment and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that worth pointing out is it's a really good question because um, it's possible, you know, we have to be careful when we read the Bible, that we don't just cherry pick the things we want 
to apply to ourselves and leave the bits that are a bit awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was really glad for the question because... Yeah, it's um, a great question to ask. You know, it? it shows a real attentiveness to, the, to, to this discourse because Jesus is just speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to them. Um, and yeah, I think there are reasons that we would say uh, you know, different expectations about what we might experience yes. as his disciples now. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay. Mm. Uh, my parking runs out in about two minutes. So, so to put you on the spot, to put you on the spot, <laughs> one last question. Uh, what, what do you do with the bluntness mm. of what Jesus says here about persecution and suffering for Christians? Mm. Like this is, he, it's pretty, it's been pretty brutal stuff at times, hasn't it? And, yeah. and he seems to sort of be saying that, you know, unless you're going through this, like, are you even saved kind of thing? Mm. So well, any, any brief <laughs> responses to that massive question? Yeah, I think um, this is something that I really struggled with as I was preparing the sermons, to be honest, to think how does this apply? You know, when Jesus says, you will be hated by everyone because of me, immediately I start thinking, well, does he really mean hated? Um, does he really mean everyone? And does he really mean uh, you? You know, is it, is it really me that's going to be persecuted? And, and yet it's quite hard to wriggle out of that because the words of Jesus are very blunt here. And, and it's just worth noticing that that is the case throughout Matthew, actually. You know, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, just a few chapters earlier, Jesus says some very stark, blunt things. Um, and, you know, and there's a power to that, isn't there? And we have to recognise that there's a power to the way that Jesus speaks there because he lays it very plainly before us. Um, I think that uh, in, in answer to the question, uh, for example, verse 22, you will be hated by everyone because of me. I think one way to understand that could be, I'm not saying this is the, the definitive way to understand it. Um, you know, if I'm not being hated, will I therefore not be saved? It's uh, <laughs> a great question. I think one, one way to answer it could be to say, well, hate is going to be one reaction of people to you as a Christian if you are holding firm to the gospel and sharing it with them in words and in deeds because they're not hating um, you for your personality so much as they're hating you for being a messenger of the gospel which tells them that they're a, mm. a sinner in need of a saviour and that's a fundamentally offensive message. Mm. Um, now, they'll, they'll, they'll like plenty of other things about you mm. but it could be that we could understand what Jesus is saying here is saying that but they will hate that about you mm. they will hate that about you until the day that they turn and realize that what you're saying is true they yeah. will hate it um so no I don't think we need to beat ourselves up if we're not you know having bricks thrown through our windows or yeah, uh, yeah. being called names all the time yeah um but it's, 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 yeah, it's it should make us ask the question like when I hear that it yeah. it, it makes me ask the question of myself why am I not experiencing that? Mm. And is it could be just because, in the Lord's kindness, this is a season where that's not what I'm right. experiencing. Right. It could also be because, like, I'm not stupid. I can see that coming down the line sometimes. Mm. Am I avoiding those situations? Mm. Am I consciously deciding who I am and who I am not going to share the gospel with on the mm. basis of how I think they're going to respond? Yeah. And that that's really challenging. It is really uh, challenging. And should be challenging. And that was the, the theme of your sermon, really, was on, on don't be afraid mm. and Jesus' instructions there in, in the rest of the chapter. Yeah. Well, listen, your, your parking's about to run out. My parking's about to run out. But, but it's been nice chatting. Nice chatting, and hopefully we can carry these conversations on 
beyond YouTube. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thanks for watching.